Hello, I'm Kate Simpson, and welcome to the first episode of the American Years podcast. In this, the first of two introductory episodes, local historian Margaret Hubbard guides us through the background that led to the Americans establishing a base in the Holy Lock on the Cow Peninsula in Argyll. This first episode takes us through World War II from 1939 to 45. The United States Navy arrived in the Holy Lock in 1961 as part of the Cold War. And to truly understand the Cold War and where the Holy Lock story fitted into it, we have to go back to the Second World War itself because the origins of the Cold War came out of that. This podcast focuses on the Second World War in as far as it relates to the Cold War. And in a second podcast, it will follow on from this, which takes us from the next stretch at the end of the Second World War through to the Americans arriving in 1961. This podcast contrasts on 1939 to 45. Now, the situation in 1939 was that when Britain declared war against Nazi Germany, America was neutral and the USSR, Russia was on the side of Nazi Germany. That situation continued through 1940. By the end of 1940, the Nazis had controlled the whole of Western Europe and the Americans were still neutral and the USSR was still on the German side. The big shift came in 1941. Two things happened. In the June of 1941, Germany declared war on the Soviet Union, on the USSR. And by so doing, that automatically shifted them from one side to the other. So Britain was no longer alone. The USSR was suddenly on Britain's side. And then in December of 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. And the Japanese being allied to Germany, this automatically pulled the Americans in to the war, not only against Japan, but also on the same side as Britain. So if you think of the geopolitical situation in 1940, you have Britain on its own with two neutral nations effectively, one on each side of it. And although the Russia wasn't really that neutral, but certainly not on Britain's side. And by the end of 1941, the whole thing had shifted and the USSR and the USA were on the same side as Britain with Germany sandwiched in the middle. In 1942, the consequences of this began to be evident. In 1942, the Americans and the British landed in North Africa and after a number of initial setbacks, drove the Germans out effectively of North Africa, which allowed the British and the Americans to be ideally poised to launch an attack through Italy. The situation in the Soviet Union was that the Germans attacked and then they pushed forward. Hitler assumed that the war in the Soviet Union would be over very quickly. In fact, it dragged on for nearly 18 months. And eventually, through the winter of 1942, they had reached the situation where the Germans were attacking the Russians inside Stalingrad. And then the Russians came from behind as well and encircled the Germans. There was nothing the German Sixth Army could do but surrender. And so the Russians were suddenly in a situation where they were no longer defending, but they could then go on the offensive. And in the same way as the British and the Americans could start pushing up through Italy, the Russians could start pushing westwards. So by the time we get to the end of 1943, at the surrender of Stalingrad, the situation was that Germany was being attacked from two sides. 
1943, there was a conference held in Tehran and the president of America, Roosevelt, and the British Prime Minister Churchill and the Russian leader Stalin went to this conference. And there the ideological and personal splits became clear because while these three nations were effectively on the same side, it was an arrangement of convenience. They didn't like each other, essentially. Roosevelt and Churchill belonged to capitalist democracies. And while they themselves had a difficult relationship, they were essentially politically of the same kind of thinking. Stalin was a Marxist economist and also came from a a centralized power system. And so ideologically, there was two belonging to one side and one belonging to the other. And in personal terms, this played through as well. It wasn't just ideological differences. They actually loathed each other. Churchill and Roosevelt had a difficult relationship, but they both loathed Stalin, and Stalin loathed both of them. So it was an arrangement of convenience, but certainly not an arrangement of friends. And the fractures that manifest in the Cold War begin to appear as early on as the Tehran Conference of 1943. As the Russians were pushing the Germans back into Germany and the Americans, the British, were moving up through Italy, it was apparent to everyone that there had to be a major attack on Western Europe. And Stalin was pushing the other two to do this, to open a second front in Western Europe to take the heat off Russia. And so the planning began for D-Day. And the planning for D-Day was done in huge secrecy. That secrecy excluded Stalin. So the British and the Americans were working jointly on the D-Day planning and Stalin was not party to what was actually going on. Now, logically, you could argue that he needn't been part of it because he wasn't, wasn't part of it, but it does reinforce the enmity or at least dislike that was emerging between them all. 1944 was D-Day. The planning took place in enormous secrecy and then was launched on the 6th of June, 1944. And after that particular day, the grand plan was that the British would take the northern route into Germany, the Americans would go south and then swing west, so that effectively Germany was then being attacked by two prongs from the west to split them, to split the defence. So by the time we get to the end of 1944, Germany was by this time being attacked on four sides. The Russians coming in one direction, the Americans and the British coming up through Italy, the British coming the northern route through Holland via Arnhem, and the Americans coming, having gone down as far as Brittany and then swinging west. And by the time we get to 1945, the January of 1945, the Russians had crossed the River Oder, having covered 300 miles in two weeks, which indicates just how the German defence was collapsing. And by the April of 1945, they had arrived in Berlin. The Russians got there first. And on the 30th of April, which was the day that Hitler killed himself, the red flag was flying over the Reichstag. The British and the Americans didn't get there before the Russians. So the Russians were actually in occupation in Berlin when the British and the Americans arrived a few days later. And then the Nazis surrendered the following week and that was Victory in Europe Day, VE Day. Now, you would think that would be the point at which these victors would come together 
and the friendship or the alliance that had made this possible would actually then work out the future. But in that moment of the success, the fractures began openly, the fractures that would lead directly into the Cold War. Because the problem was, what was going to happen next? And at Potsdam, they met again just a couple of months later, and it was clear what the problem was. In order for the Russians to have got to Berlin first, they had crossed Eastern Europe, they, they had defeated Lithuania, Poland, Czechoslovakia, and so on on the way across. So they were occupying these countries. For the Russians to go back inside their own territory would have been like a retreat. On top of that, Stalin wanted a buffer zone. The ideological splits between the West and the East were so clear by this time that what Stalin did not want was a common border. Everybody knew that Germany had to be dismembered and sorted out in some way to prevent this happening again. Something had to be done to Germany to prevent the recurrence of this situation. But what was in the interest of the USSR, which was to have the buffer zone, was not what was in the interest of the West. But the Russians were the sitting tenants, so how did you get them out? And the answer was they weren't removed. They sat there in Eastern Europe. So Germany was split. Western Europe was controlled by the French, the British and the Americans, and Eastern Europe was controlled by the Soviet Union. Berlin itself was a problem because Berlin sits inside what was East Germany. And Berlin was ideologically so important because it had been the capital. It was unthinkable to the British and the Americans to leave Berlin in Soviet hands. And so at Potsdam, the agreement was reached that Berlin itself would be divided into four. So the Russians would control one sector of Berlin and the British, the Americans and the French would control the other three parts of Berlin. And so Berlin became a divided city inside East Germany, which was in the control of the Soviet Union. And so Berlin became the flashpoint for the split between the two sides, because you have the capitalist democracies on one side and you have the Marxist communist totalitarian state on the other side and Berlin sitting there as a flashpoint in the middle of it all. And out of that came what was referred to as the Cold War. Now, why it didn't become a hot war in the original part was partly because nobody had the stomach for another war, but partly also by 1945, the Americans had atomic weapons. The Russians didn't. And so a hot war in which one side had superiority against the other side was not something the Russians would have taken on. So it became a cold war with the term the Iron Curtain. The Iron Curtain had descended over Europe, splitting the communist Soviet bloc on one side and the Western democracies on the other, with Berlin as the flashpoint. And it's out of that that the Cold War emerged. It was the ideological differences, it was the personal distance differences, it was a complete distrust of one side for the other, and it was the issue that one side had atomic weaponry and the other side, while it was working on atomic weaponry, hadn't yet developed it. And the story of what happens from there in Berlin in 1945 directly leads in a straight line to the Americans being in the Holy Loch 16 years later.
That's it, folks. You have been listening to Margaret Hubbard on the American Years podcast. Join us next time as Margaret takes us forward in history from the Cold War to the arrival of the Americans in the Holy Lock in 1961. Thank you for listening. <laughs>